Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. You don't look like us. You don't dress like us. You stink. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Ew, your lunch smells funny. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I don't think that requires a parent-teacher meeting. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Yeah, let me freak flag fly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we are talking about bullying. Yeah. I know a little bit about I feel like a lot of people have been (laughs) reaching out to us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash What Fresh Hell cast, and wanting us to talk about this. I mean, bullying. Yeah. It's a big one. We've talked about it. We've talked around it in a bunch of other episodes, but now we're all bullying all the time. Yeah. And there's a I lot of kinds me, of Amy. bullying. I, yeah, I think we're, today we're going to talk about the kinds of bullying and also what isn't bullying because... Very important what isn't bullying. Yeah, we've gotten a little maybe overly sensitive about crying wolf and calling things bullying that are just kids being kids. So we'll talk about how to tell the difference. Yeah, it's like that like boy in the bubble vibe versus like reign of terror. I don't know. There's something in the middle there. To be addressed. Boy in the bubble. That's a, that's a, we're about a minute 15 in and we've gotten our first old deluxe alert. Back in my day. Boy in the bubble. You mean like John Travolta? Guys, John Travolta. <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> I love that you understand me, Amy. You know, it's like it's an audience of one. We're making the show that we want to do with uh, pop culture references. Listen. That's it. They say that. They're like, when you make something, make something you would love. And the boy in the bubble references is something that I would love. John Travolta played a, and he was like 14 at the time. He played a teenager with such severe like autoimmune disorder, I guess you would call it now, that he had to live in a plastic bubble in his front yard. (laughs) I like that you went all the way down the rabbit hole on that one. You're like, we're not just going to leave that as an aside. I'm going to explain to you the plot of the boy in the bubble. And people were mean to it. Some people were nice and some people That's were true. Mean. It does tie in. Some people were mean to him. Some people bullied him for living Some in people loved him for who he was. Hmm. I'm going to start with a little statistic for you. Well, you already started with the boy in the bubble. Now yeah. you're going to follow up oh, with statistics. We're, we're segueing right from the old deluxe alert to some hard numbers. Dr. Sharice Nixon is a psychologist who studies bullying. And her research says that about 7% of children report experiencing physical aggression on a daily or weekly basis, like the shoved in lockers sort of bullying. Yeah, that that's a 7%. It's very low. It's low. But about 50%, 5-0, of children and adolescents from grades 5 through 12 experience relational aggression at least monthly. Okay, so explain the term relational aggression. Relational aggression is something you see and we tend to see in girls more than boys because girls are more verbal and more advanced socially. They So they tend to get to this a little sooner. But this is the ostracization, the like, let's all not talk to Grace. Okay. Let's, let's cement our friendship by leaving this third person out. Let's whisper about her. Let's spread rumors about her. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The forging of alliances. Been there. I've been on both been sides on of that both one. Both sides of this one, too. We've definitely talked about that, that I was like, I was totally the aggressor in middle school and became the victim in high school. I was a little bit of both. I feel like I was, yeah, I guess I was going to say I was a little bit more the victim than the aggressor, but I was both for sure. I think with girls, I mean, I think this is a constant thing and the targets can be moving and it's more fluid. 
that doesn't make it okay, but I don't know. I guess if it's somebody's turn in the barrel for a couple of months and then it moves on to somebody else, it's a little bit less than like one kid's life is ruined every single day. Well, one thing before I had kids, when I imagined bullying, I was like, there's a mean big kid who like punches you in the face and steals your lunch money. That's the school bully. And what you realize when you have kids who are in, my kids are all in elementary school, the bullying is very circular. Like I've talked to people who I would kind of mentally deem their child to be like one of the bulliers in the class in kind of, you know, not a severe way. And they inevitably complain to me that that kid is being bullied. It's not so much like there's a bully and the victims. It's it's much more amorphous, right? Right. I think so. And then there's this whole topic of things that aren't bullying or sometimes like mistaken for bullying. So let's just jump in with those because I actually think this is a really, my sister-in-law runs a school and she talks about this all the time. And I think it's a really important thing to address because we've gotten a little bit into the thing of that's bullying. And I hear that sometimes and my, definitely my thought bubble, I try not to let it come out of my mouth because it's not often helpful in the moment. That's not bullying. That's not bullying. Like I got called into school recently because one of my kids had called, a teenager had called a fellow teenager, a poopy head in the locker room mm. before gym. Okay. And I was like, and then what happened? Like, no, that's what happened. And I was like, okay. I don't think that requires a parent-teacher meeting. I don't. I think that's I think that's things that happen in the locker room. And as long Between as kids. Yeah. And as long as somebody else is calling my kid a poopy head the next day, then I think that's how kids behave. But let's let's try to right. break this down. So Signa Whitson, I think that's how we say her name. She's a she's a speaker on bullying and she broke this down really clearly, I thought. She says things are either rude, mean or bullying. And here's the difference. If it's rude, it's spontaneous and unplanned, like burping in the cafeteria, right? It's or calling somebody a poopy head. It's thoughtless, it's ill-mannered, but it's not intended to hurt anybody. And I like this point that like not bullying doesn't mean great. Right. It just means not bullying. not bullying. We're not saying like the opposite of bullying is completely acceptable behavior. But yes, I have a kid who is very sensitive and he is often like, he's bullying me. And I just find my, my refrain in my house is, that's not bullying. Right. Like saying you're annoying him is not bullying you. And, and it, like you might want to take that in a little bit. You are being pretty annoying right now. And even like a snowball at the bus stop, it's not, it's not bullying unless it's like every single day I'm waiting for you with a snowball right, with ice. to torture you and make your trip on the bus. Terrible. Right. Yes. Right. Childish exuberance, maybe boorish, ill-mannered. That's rude. It's not bullying. The next step Correct. is meanness. She says something that's mean is saying or doing something on purpose to try to hurt somebody once or maybe twice. Correct. Once or twice. I'm trying to do this. Right. That's meanness. Not okay. Not good. Pushing your brother is mean, I guess. I guess I would call that mean and not rude if I'm thinking about the continuum. It's not yet bullying. For it to be bullying, she says that it has to be intentionally aggressive, repeated time and time again, and there's an imbalance of power explicitly you know, created. Like what I'm saying about this like poopy head thing in the locker room, if my kid is calling this one kid names every day and so is everybody else, that's bullying. If there's names flying back and forth, that's not bullying. Bullying is when there's an imbalance of power built in. There's a couple of other things that I want to say that are not bullying that are potentially landmine and controversial. People not liking your kid is not bullying. Yeah. It's sad, but it's not bullying. It's sad. It's hard. It may be something you have to address, but it is not bullying. People asking, kids asking in a thoughtless way about other kids' differences is not bullying. It's rude. <laughs> it's rude. It's not okay. Right, right. Please don't hear me being like, these things are fine because they're not bullying. It's just making some distinctions around what is bullying. Mm -hmm. A person every day being like, you don't look like us. You don't dress like us. You stink. That's bullying. But kids being curious about other kids' differences is not bullying. Or like, ew, your lunch smells funny is is rude. If, rude. If you start being taunted about it so that your kid doesn't want to go to school anymore, that's bullying. Good. Right? I think we've got it. I think we, and, and, and there's there's one other thing she says about bullying that is um, there's no regret or remorse. If the victim clearly is wounded, says their feelings are hurt, says, please stop hurting me, it doesn't matter. That's that's bullying. Hmm. That's interesting to me. Like, it doesn't matter on a surface level, basically. 
I mean, I do think it. I mean, sometimes it's yeah, the point. The, maybe I'm getting too deep about it. Like, yes, the intent is to hurt the other kid. Right. So, so if the kid's like, oh, you hurt my feeling, I need to stop it. That's like, ooh, you're like, good. Right. This was the yeah, goal. That's like hitting. That's like, that's hitting the gerbil pellet. That's like, yeah, yeah. that's what I was after. Yeah. And not to blame the victim. We're going to talk about that, like how like it is not the bullied kid's fault ever. And you can't ever frame it that way. But I do think that trying to tell the bully that they're behaving in a mean way is not going to be dissuasive at all. That's the that's why they're doing it. Right. And I agree that you don't blame the bullied kid. But I do think that one of the solutions, which we will get to eventually, is trying to see the whole picture of the story. Right. That it's not about blaming any. Well, it's. I mean, you're blaming the bully, but it's not about excusing the behavior and blaming the victim. It's just about seeing the big picture. It's important. I got another like bullying, not bullying thing. Yes. You know, if your kid comes in from school and said like, somebody was a bully to me today, that's a sign that it probably wasn't bullying because if it's bullying, then it's like, that's when your kid comes home with their head down and says, I don't want to do ballet anymore and won't tell you why and has a stomach ache every time it's ballet. They're like, that's bullying. Yes. If, if your kid is like mad and frustrated for 30 seconds, that's a healthy reaction. Yes. But probably not something that you need to call the principal about. Jump right. all over. Yeah. That's interesting to me. All right. Let's, so let's yeah. get on to talking about like how you, how you can tell like if it's, if, because we're not there, obviously, I hope like we are all snowplow parents, but we're not like there on the playground with them. Right. So how do we, how do right. we know? Because our kid isn't necessarily going to tell us. I have a quote here from Katie Hurley, who we've interviewed on our show about Mean Girls. She says, most kids don't come home from school saying, I'm being bullied every day by these three kids and I'm really scared. That your kid is not going to say that. So you have to sort of ascertain it. Okay. How does that work? Well, she says, and this goes back to our anxious kids thing. She says, you know, look for, look for signs of anxiety that don't look like anxiety. Again, your kid isn't going to say he's anxious. He's just going to have a headache every Wednesday. There's going to be, I can't go to school anymore, avoiding something that they, like, you love Boy Scouts. What do you mean you don't want to go to Boy Scouts anymore? Not that these are uh, de facto, your kid is being bullied if they say any of these things. They're just clues, right? Yep. Or I want to sleep in your bed, or they're bedwetting, or there's nightmares, or they're sort of regressing a little bit. There's something going on that you need to investigate, or even super cranky at home. There seems like something's up, something's up. This is the kind of conversation, and we've talked about this in other contexts. This is why you clear room in the schedule for the unexpected conversation, too. Mm. Because when you pick a kid up at school and you're like, how was your day? Fine. You know, I mean, you're not going to get the answers on everything. But I find these conversations, the like, what's really going on and what's bothering you and what's going right and wrong – those conversations happen like five minutes before bed or when you get them in the car alone driving somewhere. It's like you really have to leave room for these conversations about what's really going on with them to blossom. Yeah. The meandering conversation about nothing. And it's hard because if a bullied kid is expending a lot of emotional energy at school on, you know, kind of surviving, they're not going to be in the mood to chit chat. Right. But yeah, you're right. Like keep the open door and be listening about this stuff. And then if they do decide to open up, you need to, these are some strategies from a bullying prevention advocate, which I think we're all that, but this is Sherry Gordon. She goes around and speaks to schools. And Sherry Gordon says that we have to focus on listening and lead with empathy, which we've heard a lot from guests we've had on this show that start with, oh my gosh, that must be so hard. Wow, your feelings must be really hurt. Right. Gosh, that really stings to have somebody who's your friend say they don't want to be your friend anymore. I'm sorry. That's hard. Start there. I'm so bad at that. I always skip that face. Actually, don't even start there. Start with listening. Then that step two is mirror back, you know, what you're getting. And I'm, I am. I'm so bad at that. And I definitely would skip to like step two B here, which all the experts are like, don't do this. Don't say did you maybe say something that wasn't nice to her, right? Yeah. Well, I did hear you say that you thought her sweater looked dumb when we were in the car last month. So, I mean, I don't know what you wanted to happen, but you have to treat, like, do not go to victim blaming or even trying to, I mean, it's a natural impulse, right? For us to be like, uh, what did you do? How can we fix this? You must have done something. But it's exactly what your kid doesn't need to hear. Right. Or I know the solution. Go in and tell her this, like leaning 
right from the beginning on fixing is just right. It's an unstoppable instinct, basically, but it's hard. You got to get get away from it a little bit and try that listening part first. I mean, even if you're right, you can't lead with you should have done this differently. You should just stop acting so so weird. Or in my case, what I do all the time is like it's awesome to be weird. No one cares. Who cares? Being weird is great. Right. Like my kids come home and they're like, this person called me a weirdo and they're hurt. And I'm like, that's dumb. That person's an idiot. They don't understand that weird is great. Like that's not a good response on my part. Right. That's my 47 year old view of being called weird, which I'm like, yeah, let me freak flag fly. Like, I think that's so cool. Like a nine year old doesn't think that's cool. Right. And they're not going to think it's cool because I yell in their face that it's cool. (laughs) I have to actually like interact with their sadness and be like, I'm sorry that happened to you. Interact with their sadness. And then, you know, you can do, I had a kid who stopped wanting to attend an activity that that child had once loved because it wasn't fun anymore. I dig down a little more, like some kids are mean. And then I say like, I'll stay with you until the activity actually starts. I won't like drop you off 10 minutes early. And I just sort of watch and observe. And I saw this kid had totally withdrawn, you know, into like, I hate it here. And I, I can't believe my mom makes me come to this activity. And this kid came over so nicely, sits down next to my kid and is like, hey, like, what are you doing? What do you have there? What are you, what are you looking at on your phone there? And my kid was just gave them like the biggest brush off. And I saw it happen. And it was clearly like a defense mechanism that this kid had built up. But this other child was really being like empathetic and trying to welcome my kid in. And my kid was like, Mm-mm, putting, uh, you know, total barriers up to protect themselves. And so I talked to this kid, but had to choose my moments pretty carefully and say, I I did kind of see you do this. And this kid is actually pretty nice and maybe help them strategize about how to bond with that kid a little more next time. Like you were kind of rude to that kid. So next time, why don't you go over? I'll help you script what you're going to say. Like, do you want some of these goldfish crackers? And my kid did listen to me, but it was because I waited until a moment that my kid could hear me. Amy, I have a reaction to that. We'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. So talking about this experience with your kid, where like you kind of get the sense that he's being bullied, right? And he's just struggling in some sort of overall social interaction, right? Uh, yeah. When you get there. Yeah. That seems to me as the revelation about bullying of actually having children, as opposed to thinking about this in the abstract, my kids often get into a thing where like, 
I don't even want to be friends with that kid because he's a bully. And it's like, now my kids are being a jerk to another kid. Like there is like campaign of bullying where like someone just targets your kid, makes them miserable, you know, verbally in every way is abusive to them. But there's this kind of more shaded thing I think that happens, which is like, well, there's a kid in the group who is giving my kid a hard time. Now it's time to do a group activity and we invite five kids, but leave out the kid who's been mean to my kid. Now it feels very much, and I'm sure it is perceived by that other kid as like, we're being the bullies. You know what I mean? My kid's being the bully. Like now he's doing stuff with kids and leaving that kid out. Like it is a little bit of like a trading dynamic sometimes, not just the classic thing of like bad kid bullying. I don't know. I think it's very confusing. Right. I think you're right. As now there's cyberbullying, there's more opportunities for our children to interact. They're in touch with each other in many more hours a day than I think we were. Back in our day, we could come home from school and close the door and we didn't have to, if that kid was being mean, we didn't have to worry about it until 840 the next morning. But now <laughs> it's, they're like, they're, they can find they you. have phones. They're like, you know, how you doing, loser? That, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing? Loser. You can, they can find you in more places. My kids aren't dealing with that yet, which is good. I mean, my kids definitely like leave it at school. And it's another, we've talked a lot about this in phones and stuff. It's another reason like my kids don't have phones. They don't have social media. They won't have social media until they're much older. Like it's just not happening because I'd, I'd rather be able to leave that behind. That's a choice that we make, but it's more complicated. And I do have a book recommendation. Oh, I just read it with my fifth grader. It's by Lewis Sacker, S-A-C-H-A-R, who wrote Holes, which is an amazing book. But this book is called There's a Boy in the Girl's Bathroom. And I had never heard of this book in my life. They're not sponsoring us. I just fell in love with this book. It's basically about a bully and like getting under the skin of the bully in a really interesting way. And I would recommend it for any like fourth or fifth grade kids, maybe more boys. I don't know. It's about boys mostly. But I just felt like my son and I had such interesting conversations about it. And I reference it all the time. The lead kid's name, I can't remember. It's like Charlie or something. But when stuff comes up at school, I find myself constantly being like, what, isn't that like what Charlie was doing when he was upset? And like, it's a kind of a deep story. Like his dad's a police officer who's been shot. And like, he's got all these issues going on with himself and it makes him bully people. And it's so, so good. Please read it. Wow. Okay. I'm going to grab that. But what did it give you? It gave you an insight into what makes somebody become a bully? It just helped me. My problem is like how to talk about this with kids. And I think that I perhaps have an overdeveloped sense of sympathy for the bully sometimes. And that can be a dangerous road. (laughs) But like, I do see I have little kids and like I have seen since kindergarten, like there tends to be kids who are like, have poor social skills, have poor impulse control. And they're like the kid who is constantly in trouble at school. (laughs) And like the teacher doesn't like them. Then the other kids kind of pick up on that and don't like them. And I'm like, oh, this poor kid is going to be the bully in middle school. Like you can see uh, you can yeah. see the DNA forming. Like It's like you're watching it come together. And I don't know. I feel like I see the like big view, but I don't think it's right for me to tell my kids, like whatever that kid does to you, just be nice to them. They've got problems of their own. Like That's not helpful. And I don't want to put my kids in a position of like, taking abuse and making excuses for someone else's behavior, that's also a problem. I find myself quite lost in this intellectually. This is a big, it's a big question of when your kid is getting bullied, how much you should get involved. And as I was sort of looking at research on this topic, there were two sort of diametrically opposed pieces of advice. One is absolutely don't get involved and one is absolutely you must. (laughs) So some people say, so Sherry Gordon, the bullying expert, she's like, don't. Resist. Yes. Don't take over. You have to show your child that you trust that she can handle it. You have to show her that you trust her decisions and brainstorm with her. Like, what do you think you can do? But that response scares me a little bit because it's like, and she says, what? I don't know. There's nothing I can do. And then you're sort of like, yeah, there's nothing you can do. I can't tell you to ignore it. I can't tell you it doesn't matter. I can't tell you just walk up to them and say, hey, guys, like nothing happened. Like, I can think of five things to say that aren't good advice, but I don't know. What is good advice? I've got a good solution okay. on this All right. one. And this yeah. is how I handle it. And my kids are elementary school. So like this may change as they get older. My approach is I completely tell the kid that I'm letting them handle it on their own. 
but then I send emails to the school and give them heads up about what's going mm-hmm. on. So like, I feel like they have some support at school and I feel like that's a really good solution. Like my kid, you know, someone's every day calling them like stupid and weird and the way they eat their food is weird and the way they do everything is weird. And like my kid is a little unusual, which I, I like a lot, but I've tried to, as I said, get out of the thing of like, be weird. It's great. Like, and I have said, like, you need to deal with this on your own. You need to either move away from them or say, you know, sorry, you feel that way and 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 give them, like you said, some strategies for dealing with it. But then in a separate, not looping my kid into this, who's eight, you know, I'm talking about little kids. I will write to his teacher and say, hey, I am getting reports that every day in the classroom at recess and in the cafeteria, three specific people are giving him a really hard time. Will you help him navigate this at school? Katie Hurley has the same suggestion that like involve the teacher. They want to know. And of course, there's a chance that you're going to hear back from that teacher. And wouldn't it be good if you did? Uh, not so sure about that. I think that George is giving as good as he's getting, you know, and, and you, you might have a more nuanced full picture from the teacher or maybe the teacher will have had no idea, but it's still a good idea, I think. And let me say, and I speak from experience and it is really, really hard, guys, Open your minds, hearts, and ears to that feedback when you hear it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to like it when you hear it. Mm -hmm. You are telling yourself a story that your kid is the victim of another kid's bad behavior. If you get the feedback that what is going on is more two-sided, try to open up your heart to that. It's hard. It's really hard. But I have a kid who has a lot of problems with this and I see and I have come to see how their behavior, it's their strangeness and their, it's almost confrontational in some situations. Like it's very subtle and hard to figure out, but like everybody's got a part in it, you know? Mm, Yeah. It doesn't mean you're blaming the victim, but I would say that if we're talking about a case where like your kid has a difference, physical, emotional, whatever. And people are like making fun of them and giving them a hard time. That's one situation. Open your mind to the idea that this may be a an interplay dynamic. Right. Which I think, like I said, I think that's good news. Then if your kid isn't truly only the victim, then it's not as sort of self-esteem crushing if it's if it's more back and forth. That's a that's a better outcome. And the teachers are having the experience all the time where I come in and I'm like, teacher, Amy's kid is bullying my kid. And then Amy comes in two days later and it's like, teacher, Margaret's kid is right. bullying my kid. Like we both think the other kid is the bully. Somebody said at some point, I wish I knew who it was so I could quote her, but she said, you know, don't go lioness. Like, don't go mother lion about this. Even though you're like, how dare somebody torture my kid? You have to, you have to wait. Patsy Roddenberg wrote this book called Second Circle that I love. And it's all about being really connected, like really dropped in, not in third circle is yelling and screaming. First circle is, well, I would say something to the teacher, but I hate to bother her. Second circle is wait until you're calm. Wait until you can speak calmly but firmly and you don't have to push your point when you know that you're right. Wait until you are in that place and then go have the conversation with the teacher, maybe with the other parent if you have a relationship with the other parent. it's That's tricky. But I, I think like if my kid was doing this to a kid and I was friendly with the mom, I'd, I'd, I'd want that mom to come to me. It's not always possible. I do that. I mean, I try to work that stuff out with other moms. I mean, I live in a small town, so we all kind of know each other a little bit more than maybe other things. But I have an example of this that is so seared in my brain. We went at some point, we were on vacation and there were like, um, my sister-in-law was there with her young kids. I didn't have kids at the time. And we were at this kind of fancy place and the kids were kind of like fancy and rich and annoying in a way that I think informed Mm, my reaction to it a little bit. Like all these little punks, you know, they kind of felt like bullies to me before we even got started. I'm talking like (laughs) five and six year old kids. And my nephew went over to play with them and they were really, you know, it was a group of five. My nephew didn't know them. He tried to join in and they were like we don't want to play with you, weirdo, or whatever. I don't even know if they called him a name, but they were clearly like, we don't want to play with you. And then I think at some point, one of them, he kept trying to play with them, and one of them like shoved him away. And to me, I was like watching the Aldi Locks alert. Back in my day, 
John Hughes movie in my head of like, you know, the like rich, mean kids being mean to like the outsider kid. But to like the Anthony Michael Hall character. Yeah. And my sister-in-law stood up and I was like, oh, she's going to go over and kick their little butts. I can't wait to watch this. And she walked over to her son and she's like, those kids have told you a couple of times they don't want to play with you. They don't want to play with you. (laughs) And I was like, they have to. What? Like, how can that be the reaction? They have to play with you. It's fair. It's fairness. We always include new friends. Like, And she was like, no, they, they don't want to play with you. Find something else to do. If there was any hitting, she would have probably said like, hey, keep your hands off of each other, guys. Don't, you know, don't touch each other. But I, I really remember that. And it sticks with me sometimes that thing of, I feel like I'm spending this whole episode <laughs> arguing on the side of the bullies, but like, <laughs> but let's think of the bullies. But it really just struck me that thing of like, Oh, yeah. Like, it's okay for people not to like you. It's okay for people not to want to play with you. It is not my job to like march into school and be like, everyone has to play with you. But it's just not okay for like someone to run a campaign of terror against your kid that makes that kid's environment untenable. Absolutely. That, that's what I, or I come down on this. Like if your kid was getting punched in the stomach every day, you'd get involved. And, and so this idea that you should leave it alone, I'm not sure that that's true. But I have one good piece of advice that Katie Hurley says, and I was like, oh yeah, this happened to me. Bad idea. Do not have a sit down with your kid and the bully and say, okay, we're going to work this out right now. What is going on between you two? And you guys are going to make up and I'm going to sit here while you do it. I was... Okay. I want to hear that story as soon as we come back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different and fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. What people really think about the number of children you have from the What Fresh Hell podcast. No kids. When are you two going to have a baby already? Don't wait too long. One kid. When are you two going to have another baby already? Don't wait too long. One boy, one girl. You must be so relieved. One of each. You can stop now. Two girls. Are you going to try for a boy? Two boys. You must be so scared that if you try for a girl, you're going to get another boy. Three kids. Whoa. You've got your hands full there, Mama, huh? Four kids. 
I think they must be religious. Five kids. The minivan is now full. It's time to stop procreating. Six kids. When does your reality show premiere? This has been What People Really Think About the Number of Children You Have from the What Fresh Hell podcast. So here's here, this happened to me in high school. I was being bullied for like an entire year of high school, really ostracized, really miserable. And my, you know, it was a different time. So my parents did not get involved, did not talk to the school, did not call the other girls' parents, nothing like that. But one of our teachers, we, we, we were all in plays together. And so the drama teacher was like, that's it. What is going on with you girls? That's the, stop being so mean to her. Basically, the two sort of you know bullies were in the room with me in my. They were bullying you. They were bullying me. Like got most of the girls in the grade not to speak to me, like that kind of stuff. And and I was total like you know depressed, not wanting to go to school, and, and I just didn't know what to do. And I hung out. I had lunch every day in my drama teacher's tiny office so that I wouldn't have to eat alone in the cafeteria. Uh, she was my touchdown, and she really saved me. But her her very well intentioned way to fix it was to have, we're going to have a sit down. We are going to face this head on. What is going on with you two? And it made things way worse. Why? Well, they just, they, they these two girls were, I remember one of them was like just blotchy and red faced and screaming like, she's not our friend. And they saw this as something I had done to ambush them. And I was like the drama teacher's favorite. And this was further proof because you're taking her side instead of ours. And, and she's like, no sides. Why are you like, why are you doing this to her? And just was gasoline on the fire. Like, can you believe what Amy did now? She went and told the teacher and now we're in trouble with the teacher because we, you know, don't like Amy for perfectly valid reasons and you shouldn't either. It did not bring an end. No, it didn't work out. No, no. So Katie Hurley says that, you know, choose your involvement carefully. But the reason I, it's seared in my memory is that I was so scared. It was a terribly scary 20 minutes for me that really stayed with me. And it didn't, and it didn't uh, help. Yeah. You know, so, so your kid will definitely be terrified. As we discovered, if it's really bullying, they don't care if the kid's like pointing out to them, you're really hurting this kid's feelings is like, so, yeah, and they, that's, not, that's not going to stop it. So don't do that. Right. Because they're enjoying hurting your feelings. That's the whole point. And like, I've definitely had that experience as a bully. And everyone who's done it has had that feeling of like, I can literally picture it seared in my sense memory, like where I was sitting as a ninth grader in high school, like writing this note to a girl who we were bullying that was like, you're horrible or whatever. And like folding it up and like that moment of like sliding it on her desk, like you feel like it's like a Marvel movie. Like the light starts coming up from your feet through your magic suit. You're like, I am transformed mm -hmm. into an all-powerful being. Like there's a reason why people do this. It feels really, really good, you know? But also like to get to that point, the story in your head has become, we are targeting this person because there's something wrong with them that we are here to correct. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not just like... I don't know. There are kids, I'm sure, who are just bullying because they're so angry at everybody. But like your story, sitting someone down and being like, you are victimizing this complete innocent person. That person is going to be right. like, you don't understand. That person is evil. That's why we have to run this campaign of terror against them. Like nobody's internal monologue is like, I'm bullying this person because I'm a bad person and this makes me feel good. Like that's not what they're thinking. Right. You, they definitely deserve the bullying that I'm dishing out, right? If they were only... Yeah. The only for, there's got to be a reason. Yeah. There, there's got to be like, there's something in them that's that's making them do it. So here's... My uh, prime, my primary sin in this case was thinking I was great. That's a, that's a pretty bad thing in right. a high school girl. It had to be corrected. And like, of course, it seems ridiculous to us now as like middle-aged women, but like at the time, there is something in those girls that's seeing like you every day as an assault on them. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's all warped and confused, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so you look back and you're like, well, that's not a fair accusation, but in their whatever 14 year old minds, like there was a logic to it, you know? So just sit people down and try to unwind that logic by being like, this is lunacy is not going to work. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. I agree. Um, so let's talk about things that might work. Okay. I, one thing that I think is important is talking about bullying a lot and talking about what it is and what it isn't. As I said, I often find myself saying to my kids, that is not bullying. Stop calling that bullying. That is someone who doesn't like you, <laughs> which may feel bad, but that is not bullying. Yeah. Um, I am getting, my kids are getting to the age now where I have other kids in the car and 
they will start talking about another kid in class and I stop them. I'm like, we don't talk about other kids in class in the car. We don't talk about other people when they're not here. That's a really good one. Just a simple rule that like it stops and it's, listen, my, my oldest is 10. Like I'm in the, I understand that I'm in the easiest part of this. Um, I talked about this, like, maybe on the Mean Girls episode, but like definitely that I came home to my kitchen table at some point as a maybe middle schooler. I was in middle school because I can picture the teacher I was talking about. And we had all been talking about like how weird this teacher's face was. He had something wrong with his face. And I sat down at my kitchen table and was like, oh my gosh, there's this teacher at our school who has this weird thing about his face. And I was like presenting it like I'm the star of the show. And I remember my parents' reaction. Like to this day, I can wake up at three o'clock in the morning with the like feeling because they were so appalled by the fact that I would do that, that I would like bring someone else's like physical, you know, difference and like try to serve it for like delicious, you know, gossip. And it really was such a splash of cold water in my face. Like, don't be part of this as the parent. It can sometimes be bonding to be like, that kid is so weird, isn't she? Like, don't do that. And don't do it with like your family members in front of your kids. Right. You know, they're learning this at your table. That's right. We do not allow ever. And I mean, every family has some wacky members and every family has some like stuff you want to discuss. My husband and no one in our family, we would never discuss another person in the family in front of my kids. We don't talk about other people when they're not there. Overall family rule. I think our kids have learned a lot more than we did. I think there's been a lot of progress in terms of sort of understanding difference and not bullying kids. Like I was at it like a cookout last week with my kids and there was, you know, an equestrian horse thing right near it and there was going to be a demonstration and the kids asked me what it was going to be. And I'm like, I don't really know what it's going to be. Let's, let's go see what it is. And so there were a bunch of kids standing around and there were two young people with Down syndrome that were riding their horses around the ring. And that was the demonstration. And I'm watching these kids standing there and, you know, I'm making assumptions like, oh, God, like who is going to laugh, misbehave, point, say something rude, like I'm going to be mortified. I'm standing next to one of these kids' parents. And all of these kids were all like, does she have learning differences? Um, you know, there's, oh, I have a kid with Downs at my school. Like these, I, I was shocked at how polite and well-mannered these kids were. And we watched these two students go around this ring for about 20 minutes and do tricks that weren't, you know, that impressive necessarily. And these kids were all like to a person, so polite. It gave me hope for our future, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be mean to the kids sitting next to them at school. It's just the, um, the parameters of what we can mock somebody for have gotten a little more clear, I think. Yeah. And, and I think, believe me, the middle school I went to, I've discussed before, Lord of the Flies, like, We had kids who had to drop out because they had like any kind of difference and like they were just bullied right out of the school. Like it was crazy. That's changed. And I don't think that flies anymore. And our school has like the buddy bench where like if you don't have anyone to play with at the recess, you sit on the buddy bench and then someone will come play with you. Like they're trying to fight back against this stuff. But I also think like one other solution that we work on a lot in our house is like family dinners, guys. It's like talking about stuff as they come up. And trying to always like see the other person's side Mm. to the degree of like, even just like came up this weekend that like so-and-so says they're going to marry this person. And I'm like, are they doing that in a kind way or a funny way? Is everyone laughing about that? Like, is the joke that you're going to marry that person because no one would want to marry that person? Like, what are we doing with that joke? Uh You know, uh like, let's, let's see what's going on there. And like, is everyone laughing or is one person not laughing? And if not, how do you think that person feels? That's not really that funny a conversation to be having then to me. And trying to like, as you hear of things developing, and, and also like sometimes we have the conversation like these people aren't friends anymore. Well, what happened? Oh, well, this person was mean to them. Like, well, maybe they need a break from their friendship then. It's okay not to be friends with someone who's mean to you, you know? Yeah, I, I tried it with, with my daughter because this relational aggression stuff does seem to rear its head more with girls to sort of underline that idea. Like, well, maybe they need a break from each other. Like, Sarah isn't talking to Sophie anymore. I'm like, well, maybe they maybe they had a little disagreement. Just you're friends with everybody, right? And 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 let it work out and not lean into the drama of it or make any of it seem like it needs to be permanent. And helping them see like what side of the rotating orb they're on at what time. Like 
oh yeah, you feel really bad. Like, okay, but now I hear you and your friend like laughing about somebody else. Like, remember how bad that felt when you were on the downside of it? Like if it's a person who you're having difficulties with, and this is one thing we're working on a lot now, your two choices basically all day at school are, and again, elementary school students, you can ignore it or you can get an adult. Those are your two choices, mm-hmm. basically. We kind of end up role-playing a lot of things. It's like, is that an ignore or is that a go get an adult? And so like, you're kind of helping them figure out their strategies around it, but you're not bulldozing and going in and being like, I'm going to solve this for you. A lot of kids don't even understand that the sort of things that you're talking about are bullying or can be, right? Like they we're all clear on don't shove somebody in their locker or like push their face into their cafeteria tray. But this relational aggression stuff is much more of a gray area. And I don't think a lot of kids totally understand that it's unacceptable and hurtful. When they're dishing it out, they understand when they're on the receiving end, for sure. You're right. And I think even that thing that you're talking about where like kids seeing kids whose differences seem really apparent to them, they've been kind of drilled this instinct of like, we accept people with differences, but like there is a social middle ground where like the kids with stronger social skills are tough on the kids with less good social skills. Like it's it's the same old story, but it's just maybe not so much like the jock picking on the really, really different kid. It's it's kind of like still happening in the middle though. <laughs> right, the slightly more jockey kid picking on the slightly more into robotics. <laughs> yeah, it's a slightly more jockey kid picking on the kid with like less social skills. And also like I have a kid who struggles some socially and like I often find myself arguing with the school, like you have to let kids be a little meaner to him <laughs> because like they intervene so much. I'm like, part of this is like rubbing off. It is like filing down each other's rough edges mm-hmm. in some ways. And we do live in like some sort of large social construct that is teaching us like everyone should act close to the middle behavior, right? That's a lot of what this is. Like people being like, you're weird, you're different, act more like everybody else. And so that's another conversation that we have. Well, if you act more like everyone else, <laughs> you won't stick out as much and people will be nicer to you. But is that something that's interesting to you that you care about? And you might care about it more when you're younger and and then be able to throw that off a little bit when you're older too, you know? Right. That's right. We have the perspective that the things that happen on a Tuesday in your sophomore year of high school aren't going to be the defining events of your life, or maybe they are since we're sitting here talking about them, but they're not going to shape you forever. They just feel like they are right now. But that doesn't mean that that emotion isn't real for your kids that's going through it. For sure. And like as a closing example, I had a sister who was really bullied in elementary school, like fourth, fifth grade. And part of it was like my family always dressed in like hand-me-downs because we have a million cousins. And it was just in the, I guess, 80s, really. And there was like just certain like Benetton clothes. There was like certain clothes that all the kids wore, yeah, you know? Right. And my mom was like, I'm not going to spend money on Benetton clothes. We have a perfectly good garage bag oh. full of your cousin's old sweaters, you know? I know that. Yeah. Right. But my sister was getting really, really bullied. And I was always sort of like, I would sit my mom down and be like, could you just buy her three Benetton sweaters? Like, why? And my mom understood in a way that I didn't at the time, the principle of the thing. And also, I think my mom really understood that it was probably too late. Like, if my sister now showed up in Benetton sweaters, (laughs) the kids would be like, you're just a loser follower, you know? When officially nobody will ever wear a Benetton sweater again, right? New rule. Right. Then they would all take them off and be like, these are tainted now because, you know, your horribleness is wearing them around us. But I just remember being so struck by the thing of like, just act like everybody else and everything will be fine. Like, I just so remember that feeling for her. I was a little bit old. I was five years older than her. And um, that's the dilemma of it. You know, like, is the thing to act like everybody else and not get bullied? You know, it's tough. That is tough. It is. But I think my mom did the right thing fundamentally, which is like, I will help you navigate this, but I am not going to solve it for you on some fundamental level. Right. That's the number one takeaway of this. You can't prevent this from happening to your kid. You can help them cope when it does happen. And I will say as a kid who went through some pretty serious bullying, having a family that loved me the way I was, was the salvation. Like the fact that I came home at night and my parents, who I clearly thought were like functional smart people. The fact that they were kind of like, this will pass. You're fine. 
you're great just the way you are. That's the touchstone. That's the thing that I needed to get through it, really. And you didn't need advice on like, well, maybe the next time they do this, you should try this. Like, don't try to fix it. I didn't need that so much. And I definitely didn't need my mom like coming to the school and being like, get over here, Cecile. Stop being mean to Margaret. Like, I didn't need that. I just needed like people saying to me like, whatever's going on, we see you and you're great. And the rest of it I figured out. And then you go to other adults, like other teachers or, you know, people who can help support your kid and your kid doesn't have to know that this is happening. And you can get a clear sense from the teacher of how bad is this really? And then you strategize in ways to support your kid that don't put your kid on the spot. I had a friend reach out to me and say, can your son and my son hang out a lot more because he's having a lot of trouble with these other boys. And to this day, those two boys are really good friends. And we were they were brought together because this mom was doing something positive to support her kid. And, and it wasn't, hey, tell your kid he has to be friends with my kid again. It was hey, mom, that my kid only kind of knows your kid. Can we make this more of a friendship? It would really help him out. And I was, of course, so glad to support that. And it worked out great. I love it, guys. All right, we solved it. Bullying no more. We solved bullying. We solved it. Let's put that one away. (laughs) No more problem. There's no more bullying. I have some really good sort of research and links and studies and stuff. And if you're listening to this on a podcast app, you can tap or swipe or whatever. All the links will be there, but they'll also be on our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. And you can always find us on Facebook at What Fresh Hellcast. You can join our Facebook group and all talk to each other. And you can find us on Twitter at WFH Podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.